Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of We Watch Shudder. My name is Michelle, and who's here with me? It's JD once again. It's JD once again. Uh, it's always JD. It's always Michelle. It's, it's always also, us. It's also Leatherface. Uh, none of you can see Leatherface because obviously this is an audio-only podcast. But Leatherface is always with me. He's on the wall right behind my head. Swinging his chainsaw in the air as if he was going to split my head in half. You have Leatherface. Leatherface is always with you. When you saw just one set of footprints in the sand, it was then that Leatherface Leatherface had cut my legs off. (laughs) Well, that's possible. One set of footprints, one long trail of blood. Anyway, exactly. Hi, guys. Welcome. This Uh, is how we we do it here on We Watch Shudder. Absolutely. We watched Shudder, uh, and today, oddly enough, this was not going to be a Shudder episode, and then it became a Shudder episode, because we yeah. watched Galaxy of Terror, which just got added to Shudder. Crazy. Yeah, this came, in, this came in as a special request from our buddy Brady, who uh, is the ring announcer for Time Bomb Pro Wrestling. Uh, shout out Time Bomb Pro, always. Uh, but uh, we were talking about Robert Englund for some reason, and he was like, oh, have you ever seen that weird space movie that he was in? Uh, and uh, just a, a quick thing, uh, this is one that I thought I had seen, and I definitely had not seen this before, so that was cool. Ooh. I was confusing it with another movie called, uh, I think it's called uh, 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 Battle Beyond the Stars or something like that. Anyway, uh, no. Yeah, and then it just dropped on Shutter into their archive library like two days ago. So here we are, and it is a, a Shutter archive thing. Absolutely, it was also my first time seeing this. I'd never heard of this in my life until Brady mentioned it. Um, so this is going to be an exciting episode. We do not know how the other one feels about it yet. I have many things to say. So oh, so we go do ahead I. And read the the. Tag from IMDb, or at least yeah. Like the first w- once part of again, it. the shutter description is spoilery. The IMDb one is spoilery, but in a way where we can just leave a bit off. Even the yeah. the flipping Wikipedia is spoilery. It's not. It's not good. I for understand us. the movie is forty two years old, but usually, if you're right. reading a description on IMDb or a streaming service, it's because you're going to watch it. Why well, ruin it immediately also, for the I people mean, who are about because, to watch it? Just because it's forty two years old doesn't mean everybody's already seen it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everything over forty two, I have already seen. Pyramids, wow. seen them. Not that impressive. Rocks, wow. whole bunch of them. Not that impressive. Oh my god. I've seen everything. That that's my stance. That's my controversial stance. Rocks not impressed. <laughs> Michelle's on the <laughs> warpath against rocks apparently. Yeah. Fuck All up. right, Michelle. Anyway, yeah. uh what uh uh go ahead hit him with the uh, the descriptive script. Yes. So the first half of the IMDb descriptive script is a ragtag spaceship crew sent on a rescue mission encounter a formidable enemy. Galaxy of Terror, 1981, rated R. One hour, 21 minutes. Ugh, I miss when movies were a decent length. Those are the Galaxy of Terror. Michelle, uh, you wanna, uh, you wanna tell people your uh, your spoiler-free thoughts on Galaxy Absolutely. of Terror from 1981? Yeah, I would love to. Okay. 
This movie was recommended to us by Brady. And I don't recall exactly, but I think he did imply that this was a movie that was so bad it was good. And during the first half of this movie, I was like, how is this recommended as a bad movie that's so bad it's good? Because this is just good sci-fi. And then the second half happens and I go, oh, I get it. And I love it for two completely different reasons. The first half, legitimately, I love it. I really love sci-fi. I love shit goes wrong in space. I really enjoy this. The second half, oh, man, that was fun. It was ridiculous. I have so many feelings about it. It uh, did not pan out the way that they expected, but I love it. It's like Moonfall, if Moonfall was, like, a little more sexual. Um, So we are going to give it oh god how do i mm, like my heart wants to give it a five but i know i can't we're gonna go with like a 4.5 i truly truly enjoyed this (laughs) four and a half skulls for galaxy of terror from michelle first of all i want to say uh that i absolutely love it anytime uh you reference moonfall because it's it's my (laughs) go-to i love that movie that movie was so misunderstood uh, that movie knew exactly what it was, uh, and it was this guy was like, I can't believe they gave me $100 million to make this dumb movie about the moon crashing to Earth. It's, oh uh, it's and then so it's great. so much more than that. If you haven't seen Moonfall, oh, yeah. why is Go the moon falling? Moonfall. You're never going to guess. <laughs> you're not going to understand why. The, and then you see it, and you're like, that makes no sense, and I love it. So, it's yeah, pretty 4.5, great. Anyway. Galaxy of Terror. Uh, Galaxy of Terror, yeah, this is, like I said, it's one that I thought I had seen, I actually had not seen it. Um, this is a, another example of a movie that, uh, in a lot of ways, very similar, uh, to one that I just talked about, uh, on the Ghoul Blog series, uh, JD Watches Tubi, uh, side note, check that out, go to wewatchshutter.com, check out the Ghoul Blog, I'm watching uh, Tubi original horror and horror adjacent films one a week. They got like 50 of them at this point. I had no idea. Uh, But it's the one I did most recently called uh, Sorry Charlie. And this is one of those B-movies from like the late 70s or early 80s where you watch it and all I could think of the entire time was man, if this movie had had a better budget and more time, this could have really been something. Uh, the ideas are great. Uh, some of the production design, courtesy of one Mr. James Cameron, who some of you may have heard of, uh, is, is some of it is fantastic. It's uh, uh, it, it, but it's just there are other places where it is so obviously a limited, low budget B movie. Uh, that uh, it does hold it back uh, a little bit. I'm coming in at four skulls on this one, uh, but this, uh, yeah, it it, uh, it it it's solid and it could have been a lot. Weirdly, this is one that I'd like to see somebody try a remake of. I think that could be really good. <laughs> Throw some extra dollars behind it. Absolutely. Okay, four and a four point five. This gets four point two five human skulls. Thanks for the recommendation, Brady. Oh, my God. Yeah, thank you, Brady. I'm so glad I saw this. I was prepared because I don't like stuff usually that is so bad it's good. Like Sharknado just doesn't connect with me. I like stuff Mm -hmm. like Moonfall where it's legitimately like kind of good, but then it's also ridiculous. Um, So I went into this with the lowest of expectations and was very, very happy. It, uh, It exceeded them and then some. 
All right, time travel. We had to deal with a dog situation here at my place. The internet's working fine now, but the dog's being a dick. Anyway, Michelle, we just wrapped up. Uh, Spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, Was there anything else that you needed to say? No, I'm excited to get to spoiler territory. If you have not seen this movie, go watch it. Form an opinion. Hopefully you enjoy it. 80 minutes, guys. 80 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, you can spare 81 minutes. Easy peasy. And that includes the credits. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's really, it's a tightly run ship. For sure. Okay. All right. So this is the spoiler section, Uh, and of course, as we do, I've I've been I gotta be honest with you, I've been I've only done two of them so far, but I have been having some fun uh, doing the the typed up uh, plot summaries, the written plot summaries for these movies that I'm doing. Side note: Did I mention I have a new blog series on our website? Go to wewatchshutter.com. Check out the Ghoul blog. I'm watching Tubi Originals in the horror and horror adjacent sphere. Similar to what we're doing here. They got almost 50 of them. This is the second time I've told you all that. I'm going to tell you at least one more time before we're done. Because I'm actually really kind of invested in this new project. So anyway, I had to take a breath while you were talking. I ran out of oxygen listening to you talk. I'm going to set this microphone down because you do this the best of anybody. Go to town. Tell these people what happens in this movie. Sure. I thought you were going to want to try to do the plot yourself. That's totally what I expected to have happen. Okay. Galaxy of Terror. There's a there's space, outer space. It's out there. And what lives in space? Planets. And what's on this planet? Stuff. Uh, So there's this guy with a red face and he decides that a bunch of people have to go to the planet. Why? Because it has to happen is what he says. He's very vague. He's like playing checkers against some old lady or something while that happens. We never see her again. Who knows? Maybe... They were fucking anyway. Uh, so a bunch of people, they go into space and they decide to land on this planet. I don't recall why they thought that they were going there. But since the red faced man didn't know, I don't think they knew either. So they go and then everybody dies in like very fun and creative ways. Uh, you ever had a crystal shard go in under your arm and then like kill you that way? That happens. Um, one lady a worm eats her clothes and has sex with her so that's a thing uh one guy just falls off a path and that was kind of like the least uh exciting way for somebody to die but uh this one guy he makes it to the end and then it is the guy from johnny dangerously that's going to be kind of an obscure reference but that's one of my favorite movies of all time uh and it's him and i think he's like the cook on the ship or something and he is a god And this whole planet is a thing that they used to do with kids ages and ages and ages ago where they would put them there and they had to fight their fears. And uh, so the way that these people have been dying is apparently like their biggest fear, which is interesting because I don't know what the fuck that lady who got her clothes eaten and then like fucked until she died. Like, I don't know what the fuck she would have told people her biggest fear is, but that's apparently what it was. Uh, so then the the hero of the story, he kills the old man and the old man's like, haha, you're the red face now. And he's like, nah, and then the old man's like, you can't fight destiny. And then the credits roll. The end. There's a galaxy yeah, of terror. That's galaxy of terror for you. That was actually a pretty solid, uh, solid wrap up there. Michelle, um yeah this uh, another uh interesting parallel in this movie uh to the first uh movie that I wrote up for my new ghoul blog series JD watches Tubi at we watch in the ghoul blog uh, How many Tubi called... are there JD how many are there's there about, there's got to uh, be like at f- least 40 
there's about 50 of them actually that I'm wow. going to be talking about at this point. Yeah, quite a few. Wow. Uh, but it's it's sort of centered around that idea of uh, confronting your own fears uh, and, and that sort of uh, vibe, which, uh, uh, yeah, this is a, it's a, like, this is a rare occasion where I feel like I, I probably could have handled another 20 to 30 minutes in this movie because one of the things that I feel holds it back is like, I'm the guy who's always talking about how like I do prefer or I am more interested in plot than I am character, but I still like to have a little, this is what happens when there's just not enough character development at all. Like this movie is almost 100% plot. There are little things like, like obviously there's some kind of, of, of beef between the, the one dude and the other dude. Uh, uh, and then like, uh, like something's up with the cook for a while and then it turns out he's the dude from the beginning and he's just been a jerk the whole time. Like it's, um, uh, I'm not really sure where I was going with all this. I just had a complete derailment of my train of thought, but, uh, yeah. You uh, need more, more character development. Right. Yeah, exactly. I would have liked to know a little bit more about who these people were and, uh, and what their dynamics were. That whole thing about the Hesperus, like I get the basic idea of that is this is something where this happened once before about 25 years ago, probably when that dude became the master, you know, uh, similar situation. But uh, no, other than that, like this movie's really its only downfall is its its lack of of of, of budget and time. Right. Like this could have been. Oh, like this could have been for me, like on the level of like an alien, or it, like it's got elements of alien, a lot of elements of alien. There's also bits of Star Wars in here. There's bits of early, like like Star Trek, the motion picture in here. Dune. There's bits I got of uh, Dune vibes. Yeah, there's and also like a significant amount of like like even old school Battlestar Galactica, like with some more money and available time, this really could have been something awesome. Uh, I do need to make a note that I got Dune vibes from this, but it did come out before Dune, which I was very surprised by. Because to me, I was like, oh, this feels like they watched Dune and then they made this. Um, anyway, so uh, the ending where it is revealed why all of this is happening, up until that point, I was kind of just like giggling and loving it because I like any movie where a bunch of people die in a bunch of very different ways and i yeah, expected sure. this to just be creatures killing them off and that's how the first guy goes so i thought that's what was gonna happen and i wouldn't have loved that that's how the second guy goes too um i think he dies when he's going down the the hole and gets grabbed so i thought this was gonna be a creature feature which i've never been into yeah, the show was, too much i was yeah. real worried it was it was going to be just uh like a really uh sort of uh, ham-fisted alien uh, clone, uh, but exactly. they thankfully veered away from that. Yep. And so then at the end, I was like, "We are very close to the end of this movie, and what the fuck is going on?" <laughs> and then Robert England uh, fights himself and is like, "Ho ho ho! I've been fighting myself the whole time." And then the other version of him just disappears. And he's like, oh, the things that we're fighting are our biggest fears and we just can't be afraid of them. And I don't know. I don't think we ever see him again. Is he still on the planet? Did he die? I missed it. Robert I'm England? Pretty, I'm pretty sure he died. Um, I, I'm not sure. 
who killed him or how, but uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure. The last memory he died. I have of him is at the bottom of the steps before our hero guy walks up them. And I don't remember him dying, but he must have because we never see him again. Um, right. But so this reveal at the end about like, oh, it's your biggest fears. And this was set up to scare the shit out of children. And then they had to fight that. I love that concept. I don't think this movie executed it well, because then if you start thinking I didn't have an aha moment of, oh, well, that's clear. Like this lady was terrified of the war or whatever that she was in. And then she got killed by soldiers. Instead, she's like burned alive. And so I can kind of see tangential relation. Uh, the guy who fell off the pathway, was he like afraid of heights? I didn't right. have that aha. This makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that concept a lot. And I would love to see that actually done like you said kind of a, this movie getting a remake would be so fun because i love that i love the idea of your your biggest fear is what you're fighting uh, i do want to ask jd what would you be fighting if you were on this planet what would your biggest fear be uh man that's a good because like uh we could it, you know maybe it's something uh just like incredibly visceral like having my body twisted and bent and contorted into awful positions you know like scorpion backwards and wrapped up oh. into just uh, yeah just like yeah. just anything like violently bone crunching like that uh but then <laughs> right and if we get into the uh the more existential type of things uh, i think we actually mentioned this uh in a recent episode i don't remember exactly when but to me, the idea of just floating out into empty space until you die would be fucking terrifying. Oh, and my God. this is God. the best place to have that fear battle you because you're in space. Right. I mean, technically, we're all in space. The <laughs> Earth is through space, but we're not on Earth space. We're in a different place. So that's, oh, yeah, that would be a bad, bad spot. I, I hope they put that in the remake. What, um, uh, what would think, yours uh, be? Yeah, I was trying to think, like, what's my biggest fear? And my biggest fear used to be basements, which would be hilarious to figure out what this planet threw at me. I used to have a recurring nightmare where a guy was chasing me through the basement at my grandma's house. And uh, every time I had that nightmare, he got a little bit closer. So I was scared shitless of my grandma's basement, and I wouldn't go in my friend's basements either. And now it's better. <laughs> it's, they still creep me out a little bit. But the Maybe... uh, so basements... Uh, you maybe it would put fear? you in maybe it would put you in a weird loop situation where you're in a basement and you're trying to get out and so you run up to the top of the stairs and when you come through the door you're just back in the basement again. Oh, and I can feel the thing chasing after me because that's right. what the nightmare was. The last time I had that nightmare, I turned around and I faced the guy for the first time. I never had it again. It was terrifying. Oh, it, wow. it was a very very scary nightmare. Um, but uh, now it would probably be. Uh, so my biggest fear is, um, I talked about this on too many cooks that I'm living in a simulation. I become hyper aware of it. And I know with hundred percent <laughs> certainty that that's what I'm living in, that this is a simulation. And I either have to leave the simulation and then I wind up in a worse situation than I was in, in the simulation where I enjoy my life, or I have to live here knowing that all of this is fake and it will end. So that would be a fun battle too, uh, to have on this planet <laughs> of like, me waking up constantly after thinking that I just won a battle or something. Um, and then if neither of those are fun for the movie, spiders. <laughs> <laughs> spiders. 
Oh, that in would, that, that would, order. Spiders would, <laughs> spiders would be a good time. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we did talk about how like, uh, and so far as the story goes, I have to feel like, like the screenwriting and everything for this had to be done under similar, like we need to get this knocked out and, and just get into production kind of super indie Roger Corman kind of production situation. So again, I feel like if they had had some time to go through and do some rewrites and, and sort of like really sit down and talk about the story development and that sort of thing. Um, but again, one of the places where I do feel like this movie's look, some of the special effects in this are again, necessarily limited by their budget in the early 1980s, right? Uh, like they made this movie for 2 million bucks and you could do some pretty impressive things on a $2 million budget as an indie filmmaker today. Uh, so some of the effects, like some of the creature designs are, are, they're not, as terrible as you would expect, right? And some of the set designs, the set designs here, some of this is fabulous. Like some of I this want to is, talk about the set for a while yeah, when we get to that. Some of this is like yeah. a level, like like, and what you realize from that, of course, once you understand, you know, James Cameron was production designer and and second unit director uh, on this film, uh, and so he had like what you see here is exactly what Roger Corman was known for along the way in a lot of ways is you have people who know they don't have the budget, but they have the the passion and the desire, and they put so much skill and effort into this uh, and really threw themselves into doing whatever they could with the limited resources they had. Some of the, the, the interior uh, soundstage sets, like while they're on the ship, uh, some of that stuff is is just like that's a level. That's like I I could buy that in a Star Trek movie, right? Like I absolutely could. Uh, the set design. I had made a lot of notes about how I really enjoy it because it's like you expect a planet to be, where it's rocks and colorless rocks, but the way that they are put together and the structures that they create that they can then uh, scale are so nice to look at and interesting and pleasing to the eye. Um, so I had made a note of that. And then I went on IMDb because obviously this movie has some names like Robert England and Sid Haig and the guy from Johnny Dangerously, whose name I just Ray Walston. Thank you. And it also has two of the most 80s headshots I've seen in my life on IMDb for Edward oh, yes. Albert and Aaron Morin. Seeing those two right when I went to IMDb, I, I did laugh because I was just so 80s. Um, but Bill Paxton was uh, part of the set decoration crew. Yeah, this is actually, uh, I don't know if you took some time to uh, to look at the Wikipedia page. Uh, no. This is actually the 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 moment where Jim Cameron meets Bill Paxton, who did eventually you call him Jim goes. Jim Cameron. Yeah, I did call him Jim Cameron. Uh, okay. He's a good friend of mine. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we're 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 boys like that. Jimmy but Cameron. This is, this is this movie, Galaxy of Terror, is where they met, and and uh, uh. Paxton, uh, I guess, had never really intended to be an actor, but he came across that way. Cameron convinced him to do it. And then he's in Aliens, and Cameron directs it, and the rest is history. You know, it's uh, so even in that way. And and again, this is a thing that Roger Corman was known for, is finding talent and giving them a launching pad. Side note, by the way, uh, I because I mentioned IMDb, 
Uh, here's something that I was not aware of. Uh, are you aware, uh, Michelle, that Roger Corman is still producing movies and has an upcoming feature that I he's the executive know. producer on? I did not know who Roger Corman was until about 10 minutes ago. Oh, my God, Michelle. Michelle. Roger Roger Corman has produced 496 films, Michelle. That's, that's a lot. He has a a, he, he has an executive producer credit on a film called Crime City that's in pre-production right now. His most recent credit was The Jungle Demon in 2021. Uh, Roger Cold Corman. Gator. Roger Corman versus Whale Wolf. is a legend. Like this guy has been making movies for sixty six some odd years. Well, he can't uh, be that important because I've never heard of him. Oh my God, Michelle. Okay, he has four hundred ninety five credits, but a significant number: Sharktopus, Dino Croc versus Super Gator, Dino Shark. Uh, I'm sure Cry of the Winged Serpent. That one might be good. Who knows? Michelle, Super Gator, though. He produced <laughs> his first film, Highway Dragnet, in 1954. He has oh been God. making films for 70 years. And he has another film coming out sometime that's incredible to me. He needs four more uh, to get to 500. Can you imagine? Anyway, I just wanted to I'm shout out Roger Corman. In 2000, he made a movie called Aladdin and the Adventure of Time, which I completely forgot about. Um, so I'm going to have to oh, go try to track that down. It's a knockoff of Aladdin that's not good. So uh, I do have to go find that because I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, there's a T-Rex in it. It's great. Right. And again, he serves as producer on most of, most of these, right? But even... From that, he's directed like fifty some movies. He some of my favorite movies he's been involved with. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, you mentioned uh, the cast in this movie is just wild. How like you, Robert England? I get because he's still on the come up at this point, right? He isn't Freddie until nineteen eighty four. He, uh, uh, I, I imagine, I think the the V television series would have been after this, and I find myself wondering if his performance in this didn't help him get that. Uh, Sid Haig is here. Uh, it's wild to me that you know Ray Walston as uh, the guy from Johnny Dangerously because Ray Walston is my favorite Martian from that classic TV show. He was also the devil in Damn Yankees, uh, the, the film version of that uh, stage musical. Uh, Zalman King is in this. Zalman King, who went on to uh, make the uh, erotic film and TV series The Red Shoe Diaries. Like, there are just a weird assortment of names involved here. Because that's what Roger Corman does, man. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty fantastic, Michelle. What was your favorite way for somebody? Your favorite death or favorite special effect in this? You even have to ask. I do. Yes. The lady who encounters a worm that eats her clothes, yeah, and then I'm is... not sure what she dies from, but it's not good. Oh no! It's uh, it's exactly what you think it is, Michelle. Okay. Like this is actually, okay. uh, again, I was checking out the uh, the Wikipedia page, and this is. Uh, a pretty uh, a pretty controversial thing. The movie had originally been given an X rating uh, because of this scene. 
Uh, but and like the <laughs> this is the old get this. I love this. This is so Roger Corman. So the only reason this scene is in the movie is because Roger Corman had promised financial backers of the film that there would be a sex scene with nudity in the film. And so what he decided to do is, I mean, any number of just regular old, like like somewhat vanilla sex scenes could have been, but, but no, sir. No, sir. We're going to have, this is a horror movie, damn it. We're going to have a giant space worm creature eat her clothing, sexually assault her to death. Right, like this is. Let me see if I can find the. Uh, 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 let's see here. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, simulated intercourse during which Demea lying underneath the giant worm and covered in excreted slime can be seen and heard reacting first with terror, then forced sexual arousal to the monster assaulting her. Helpless and betrayed by her own mind and body, Demea perishes as she's driven to a fatally intense orgasm. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. so an hour ago, if I landed on this planet, my my biggest fear would have either been basement simulation or spiders. Um, now that is mine too. Now <laughs> if I go to this planet, whatever happened to her is what's going to happen to me. So I need to yeah. stay away from this planet. Uh, no bueno or see si bueno, I guess, depending on, I ain't going to kink shame, but yeah, uh, this, yeah. Uh, I totally apparently, thought it was just 80s over dramatic acting. I did uh, not know. Apparently wow. a good deal of that scene was shot with a body double because there were bits of it that the, uh, the actress, I believe her name is pronounced Taffy, uh, T-A-A-F-E-E. Uh, I forget her last name, but uh, there were parts of this that she just absolutely refused to do. Uh, And this is one of my favorite parts just because it tells you how absolutely absurd the MPA rating system is in this uh, in this country. Uh, It says the sexual content of this scene was considered graphic enough by the MPAA standards that it was initially given an X rating. And then this is what this uh, R.J. Kaiser, who was one of three editors on the film, this is what he says. He made some small cuts to avoid the X rating. In the commentary, he states that the cuts were of two types. The first type involved brief shots of O'Connell's face expressing rhapsodic and ecstatic looks that too obviously indicated forced sexual arousal. The second type showed lewd humping motions by the giant maggot that too realistically simulated sexual intercourse occurring with the nude Demea ensnared underneath. And this is the part that should be fucking blow your mind none of the cuts were longer than one second in length and none altered the sequence of events in the scene and that was the difference between an x rating and an r rating are you and that's the shit we've been dealing with for years and Um. years and years I actually watched the the RoboCop documentary. It's kind of a mini series that's on Screenbox yep. called RoboDoc, the yep. making of Ro- RoboCop, and they talk for a very long amount of time about how they had to get around censorship. Oh and yeah, it is 
so funny to hear those those uh, explanations because it's like the censors go, no, you have to do it this way. And then they edit it and present it to them like we did what you asked. It's worse this way. And the censors don't want to admit like maybe we shouldn't have suggested that because this right. is way more vile. And so they're like, OK, I guess this is fine. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's so I wild. I would have preferred the worm humping, though, because then I would know for certain what I was looking at. It is. And I would have been even more upset about it. It uh, it is like it. It doesn't rise to the same tension and and skin crawly nature, uh. But it is somewhat rep- reminiscent of the famous uh forest scene in The Evil Dead. Uh, yep. it's it's something that uh the movie absolutely did not need. It is the most purely exploitational part of this whole thing. But, I disagree. You know, it absolutely needed it. <laughs> okay. In fact, if you say every so. movie going forward, I'm gonna be like, "Where the fuck's the worm sex? <laughs> Where, where's where's the worm sex at?" I, I feel no. I, well, I feel like Michelle. We should. Um, I I feel like we should be calling it the worm rape, frankly, or the worm well, assault. Yes. <laughs> it, it's non-consensual sex. Yeah. So, but yeah. I do think here's the thing: I don't want to say that I want worm rape in all movies going forward. I oh, would so be okay you, with you worm You would like sex. people consensually banging yeah, exactly. space maggots. I'm, I'm yeah, fine I, with I mean, like. I, I would like that. some consent. Uh, yeah, I think well, just I mean, watching that over and over in every movie going forward it, it, um, would would be informed. a little damaging fully yeah. informed and continuous consent hey do whatever man everybody's exactly. everybody's got their own thing anyway you want to fuck a worm go for it right uh, i mean make sure you thing... get the worm's permission though. exactly ask nicely <laughs> unlike this worm um mm. one thing we haven't talked about at all that really oh, there are tons of really... things we haven't talked about oh i know all. i know but this one we have not talked about I love the sound effects in this movie. And it's rare for me to be like, man, those sound effects are really good. You know, you think of the music's really good or the general atmospheric sounds are good. I, oh my God, them walking on those rocks, the gravelly, gritty sound was such a nice ASMR sound. But then all of the other I'll just keep using the word sound over and over again. There's there's a, a sound effect that plays when Sid Haig has the crystal going under his skin, which great effect, by the way. Oh, God, yeah, that was super, yeah. especially for a movie yeah. on this level, that was yeah, really effective. That was when and things course, turned for me and I went, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I was just going to say, like, I have to go look up how they did that special effect. I have ideas, but I just want to go confirm. I think I know how it was done. But there's a sound that plays during that moment that made me, like, cringe. I felt it in my teeth, and it made me so uncomfortable, and I love that. There's also a jump scare in this that legitimately got me. I am never afraid. I jumped when Robert Eglin's second guy jumped out and was like, ah, like right. <laughs> I jumped. You know it's, what this is? Good. Really, when I, I mean, it's just a thought that popped into my head here. This really, in a lot of ways, is not significantly different uh, from the very first Friday the 13th, right? This is a sci-fi movie that takes place in space, and there's a little bit more, you know, it's not just a straight horror movie, but in the sense that, like, both films, again, like definitely their concept and their their idea far outpaces what they were able to do with the 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 resources available to them, and they were done by people who had passion 
and were just committed to the project, right? And just gave everything to it. And that's what you need in a movie with small budgets like this. You what you can't have people who are just like, yeah, it's a B movie with a nothing budget. I'll show up and phone this in and just collect my paycheck and get out. You need the people who come to your office and say, man, I will make this movie with you for free. I got shit I want to put on the screen, right? You just give me the budget Involving to make it worms. happen. Yeah, you, you just give me the money to get the stuff I need, and I don't care if you pay me. Let's go to town. Let's make a fucking movie. And Sir, this, this has is that an spirit. <laughs> yeah, you're scaring I, uh, the patrons. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I really appreciated that about this movie. Now, again, don't get me wrong; it is also very limited in certain ways that are occasionally, uh, like, like, like there are cool matte paintings, a la like big Star Wars scenes in this, but. Oh, they are the furthest thing from seamless, right? Like, you will know every time there's a matte painting on screen. Uh, and and the, the, the acting just in general, I don't want to say these are bad actors. I think, again, it's a situation where we probably had, like, three days to rehearse, and then we only get, you know, we, we got to get, we got to crank these. So, like, we have to settle for good enough, right? Just get something in the can and move on. Uh, and they didn't have a lot to work with on paper, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's th there are so many other interesting things going on here that this is one of those like Roger Corman has produced a lot of movies that are not. Uh, 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 I, I don't want to say they're not good because that's the thing I'm trying to stop myself from saying, but <laughs> they don't. They weren't all made with the kind of passion this movie was made with. They don't all rise to this level. But when they do, they're really freaking awesome. And I loved this movie. Yeah. I truly don't have a lot more to add to it. I just, I like it. I don't know how else I can say that. It's it's weird, but it's fun. Like you said, it's not bad acting. It's definitely overacting at times. But in oh, a sure. way that by that point, it's so absurd that I did not care. It can go ahead oh, and be absurd. One other thing that I did want to mention here is... There are a few little things that are, like, they're very Roger Corman elements that I do think, like, they're, because, again, this guy's been producing genre films uh, and, and B-movies since the 1950s, right? First things first, you're in the era of Alien and Star Wars and Star Trek. You cannot call this movie Galaxy of Terror. That title does not work for this movie in that era. That just screams shitty B-movie from the 50s that nobody even remembers, right? I think that title was a misstep. Uh, and then uh, just other things about uh, occasionally some of the special effects, like the uh, the transfer of the, the masterhood from Ray Walston to the other guy. Like, that's some... Like that's some barely like 1950s Disney drawing uh, lines on the film by hand kind of shit. Like it's, oh, it's real weak at times. Uh, some of when the monster finally shows up and is going after so like that that is one of the effects. When it's just tentacles and stuff, it's fine. When they try to show you too much, it goes a little astray. 
so if you are going to see the movie, like keep that in mind. Like it's awesome, but you have to be able to understand what it is and look past those things. <laughs> Every now and then I just have random thoughts that come spewing out of my mouth. Anyway, Michelle. Oh, I know. Um, I'm so used to it. Uh, have I mentioned, by the way, that I have a new blog series at WeWatchShutter.com on the Ghoul blog? It's called JD Watches Tubi. Wow, how many Tubi movies are there? There's probably close to 50 of them at this point. That, and that's just the horror and horror adjacent ones that I'm going to be talking about. It'd be real. There's two wow. issues, two editions of the of the blog already out. You guys should go check them out. Michelle, wow. what do we got? Like, what uh, Do we have anything interesting or important coming up? What are we talking about next week? Suitable flesh. Suitable Which flesh. I have not seen yet. I, I have. Waiting, I was waiting for it. And I knew you had. So uh, this, yeah, and the reason I have I seen it. it, the reason I have seen it is, uh, I very, very rarely, uh, pay to digitally rent films to see. Like I don't do a lot of VOD rentals. Uh, because I am a patient guy, in most cases, I'm like, oh, I'll just wait till it's in one of my subscription services. I don't absolutely need it. This is a movie that I absolutely needed to see. I, I VOD'd it the day it dropped. It is coming back on Shutter here now in January, and I am very much looking forward to talking about Suitable Flesh. Yeah, it's a weird Lovecraft kind of thing produced by uh, some of the people involved with uh, Reanimator and From Beyond, those old Stuart Gordon classics. That's what it is. Suitable. Barbara Crampton's in it. Barbara Crampton, the uh, yeah, she's fabulous. Anyway, I'm Heather super Graham. excited. Heather Graham. Look at in Heather it. Graham is in it. Yes, she sure is. Uh, but anyway, wow. that's what we're talking about next week. Uh, I don't know where to go with this, Michelle. I've suddenly completely well, forgotten how to do a podcast. We could just call it good. Can we? Forever. Forever? It could just be the last episode. Oh, I don't know. Forever. Uh, I don't know if, well, it's, uh, please no. Okay. <laughs> I, I need this in my life, oh, Michelle. Okay, that's fair. This is the one thing. This is. Yeah. This is my own. This is my only remaining sense of purpose. I need this. Jeez. Oh, I I Fine. need this. Fine. Fine. I <laughs> All guess. All right. Cool. I guess Thank we'll you. keep doing the podcast. But All right. Well, I have in nothing that case, more to say for this. In week. that case, Michelle, why don't you say good night? Good night. For more horror content, visit wewatchshutter.com, where you'll find our world-famous, patent-pending ghoul blog and squelch files, as well as a schedule of upcoming episodes. Find us on social media, at WeWatchShutter on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and I guess Twitter, if you're still doing that for whatever reason. You can email us, mail at wewatchshutter.com is the address, mail at wewatchshutter.com. You can even call and leave us a voicemail, 701-566-9510. No, really, 701-566-9510. Give it a shot, see what happens. We Watch Shudder is a production of Rat Factory Media.